0: Go
1: Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter and you're watching the 3 Before. 4 Adora of Hope Pregnancy Center has been providing free ultrasound services, education, mentoring and material support to women for 42 years to help them and their families make life affirming decisions all free of charge. We support this ministry on a regular basis. And April 23rd to May 21st is their baby bottle benefit season. If you would like to give to this ministry an amount in addition to your regular giving, you can stop by Connect Central and pick up a brochure or envelope for giving. To learn more, visit AdorofHope.org. The world we live in needs to hear now more than ever that God loves them. Our entire region is coming together for an exciting event to help spread that message. On Tuesday, May 2nd at 6.30 p.m., the Fairhill Fairgrounds in Elkton will host the Franklin Graham God Loves You Tour. This free event will include a message of hope from Franklin Graham and music by the Newsboys and Marcos Witt. To learn more, visit GodLovesYouTour.com. No matter the storms that come and go in our lives, God is able to use those times to help us grow. All women are invited to a luncheon today from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in the celebration room at the Bear Campus. Come and enjoy finger sandwiches, cake, tea, laughs, and prayer. The theme is April showers bring May flowers. Learning to live in the tension between what God is doing in us and seeing it come to pass. No sign up necessary and all women are welcome. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave be feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship.
0: Perfect. Other days it just ain't working. The good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between. It's crazy and amazing. We can turn a heart with the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. So speak life, speak life to the deadest, darkest night. the days. My thoughts just fall apart. I do, I don't, I will, I won't. It's like I'm drowning in the deep.
2: It's crazy and amazing. We concern turn our heart
0: with the words we say. Mountains crumble with every syllable. Hope could live or die. So speak life, speak life. Like fire, hope will fall like rain when you speak that with the words you say. Lift your head a little higher, use the words you inspire. Hope will fall like rain when you speak that with the things you say. Lift your head a little higher, spread the love like fire. Hope will fall like rain when you speak that with the words you say. Speak life, speak life, well the sun won't shine, you don't know why, looking to the eyes of a broken heart, it wants to come alive as soon as you
2: you may be wondering, who are we? (laughs) My name is Des Childs. Over here, we have Chad Ogren. And over here, we have Ryan on guitar. We are actually a trio called Altar Life. We are actually newly formed. We've been friends for a really, really long time. We go to a church in South Jersey. Chad and I go to Faith Inc., and my husband is the pastor of that church. And Ryan goes to Gloucester County Community Church. So we have blended churches, but we are one body in Christ. So we are so happy to be with you guys this morning. That was just a little taste of who we are. That was a song called Speak Life by Toby Mack. But we're going to lead you into some worship right now. Um, This is a song called God So Loved. And if you want to sing along, you can stand to your feet and worship in any way that you like. You can raise your arms in an act of surrender to the Lord. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to stop talking, and we're going to get started. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would fill this room with your presence. Help us to enter into a time of worship through song. But Lord, help us to worship with our lives as an act of surrender to you, God. Thank you for loving us so much that you would die on a cross for us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: of the water Amen.
3: Personal. Um, before we get into this next song, um, I don't know if anyone here can relate, but I am having one of the hardest years of my life, and we're only three months in. And so I was thinking <laughs> the other day. I was thinking um, about all of the things that have kind of happened to me this year. Um, I lost my job in February. Um, I lost a lot of friends because of that. I think sometimes we think that. You know, our coworkers are always going to be there for us or that we're friends outside of that. And then when you're fired or you leave a job or a position, you kind of realize that that wasn't true. And that hurts a lot. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain in that. And then a week ago, I lost my, grand, my grandfather. He passed away. Um, so it's been really hard. And I wallowed in it. I was wallowing in this, like, self-pity of, like, oh, like, why? Why do I keep having all of this loss? Like, where is God in all of this? And I called out, I was like, God, like, I need you. I don't know where you are, but I need you. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in that wallowing and that self-pity in our situation that we forget to do that. We forget to call out. We forget to say, God, I'm going to wallow today. I'm going to be in the valley today. But tomorrow I'm going to be on the mountaintop because that's what our God does for us. And so I thought about all of those things and I realized I don't have the answer today. I don't. I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. I don't know where I'll be a week from now. But I'm putting my trust in God because God truly is a good, good father. So we're going to sing that today. We're going to sing good, good father.
0: Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they day. Yeah. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. for half
2: of that. So now we will have lyrics on the screens. We're going to be doing what a beautiful name.
0: Death could not hold you. Death could not hold you. That's all before. They can stand against What a power
3: this next song. It's called Me on Your Mind. And it talks about um, God coming to find us in our time of needs. And I know I spoke about this a little bit earlier, but I think it's so important that in our time of needs, we just, we call out We just say, God, thank you for having me on your mind. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for blessing me. I'm forever grateful for that. I, I just think of all the things that God has done for me and all the things that he's going to do. So we're going to sing this next song. So if you know it, sing along with us. If you don't, just listen to the words.
0: You are, you paid the price, and you took the cross, and you gave your life, and you did it all with me on your mind. With me on your mind. Just knowing you're mindful of me, just knowing you call me your child blood in my soul with unspeakable hope thank you Lord that it's me on your mind who am I that the king of the world would give one single thought about my broken heart who am I that the God of all grace wipes the tears from my face and says come as you are you take the price you took the cross, and you gave your life, and you did it all.
3: For you I'll find. All alone, it Would be on your
0: mind Who am I that the king Of the world would give One single thought about My broken heart Who am I that the God of all Grace wipes the tears from my face And says come as you are You paid the price And you took the cross, and you gave your life, and you did it all with me on your Your goodness, Your goodness is running out. the good
3: A sacrifice With these hands lifted high Hear my song, hear my cry I will bring a sacrifice
0: I will bring a sacrifice this life and let it shine, shine, shine. Take this life true there's no life apart from you lay me down lay me down lay me down lay me
3: down so we're going to sing this next part and it goes it will be my joy to sing your will your way so we're going to sing that this morning And when we sing, Your will, you sing Your way. Let's try it.
0: And it will be my joy to say, Your will, we sing, Your way, and it will be my joy.
3: will be my joy to sing. shout of praise this morning.
4: Good morning. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God deserves a hand clap of praise as you take your seat this morning. Please take your seat. We're so glad that you're here. You know, it's only two times that we should praise the Lord. It's when we feel like it and when we don't. Amen? Right now I'm going to ask Sister Linda to come to the stage. Well, this is not a stage. This is the Lord's holy temple. And this, She's going to take our children out this morning. So if your children are going to Children's Church, could you please send them now? Right here. Yeah, we're we're children too. You look beautiful. And so do you. Look at our beautiful babies. We're going to say a prayer over you as we send you out to children's church, okay? So if we could bow our heads, thank you, Lord. Thank you for these gifts, our beautiful, beautiful children. Lord, you pack them full of possibility and potential. Lord, thank you for entrusting them to us to teach them your word, because your word is the truth, and it's the way to life eternal. So, Father, as they go now, open their eyes, open their hearts, and let them have fun. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we always say welcome because we're in God's house and we're here to worship him. We were created to worship God, not just in this building, but he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So we do that on this morning. And we always say that in your chair or at your table, and if you're online, there's a card that says connect. And the purpose of the Connect card is to, one, let us know that you're here. More importantly, it's it's a place to record praises and prayers. If you have a praise report, we're going to rejoice and thank God for you for that. And if you have a prayer need and you're having a valley moment or just something that you'd like God to open your eyes to, we're going to pray for you through that too. We meet confidentially throughout the week in groups and small groups to pray over your praises and your requests. So, if you're online, please use the Connect tab and the Prayer tab to list your prayer, rep- prayer requests and praise reports. If this is your first time here and you're in the room, as you leave the celebration room to your left, you'll see Connect Central. If you've been here many, many times, Connect Central has something for you, too. For first-time attenders, we will offer you a small gift. A member of the Family Care Ministry will greet you. If you've been here for a long time, there are a lot of resources that you can take, either for yourself or for someone else. And if you're new online, please let us know that. A member of the Family Care Ministry will reach out to you during the week. You know, we have on our table... The monthly announcements, the month is sort of drawing to an end. But what's exciting today is women's ministry at 1.30 till 3 p.m. If you can make it, my sisters, please consider wearing a hat. It could be a funny hat. It could be a crazy hat. It could be your most unusual hat as we enjoy tea um, and light refreshments together. It's an opportunity for fun and fellowship. Also, on the back, there's an opportunity to write sermon notes from the sermon. So we ask that you do that. Also, Franklin Graham is coming to Elkton, Maryland, to the Fairhill Fairgrounds on May the 2nd. It's an opportunity to come out and worship together with people and brothers and sisters from other congregations. So please don't miss that if you can make it. You know it's our job, and I do say job, but it's our responsibility to love God, to love others, to serve God, to serve others, and engage in our community to share the life-giving light that is Jesus Christ, the living word. So that is what we aspire to at Christ the Cornerstone. And toward that, we know that as faithful stewards of Christ, We have a responsibility to give back to God a portion of what he gives to us. So as we transition into this period of offering, we have several principles, and they are all biblical, that we adhere to at Christ the Cornerstone. And if you will, please read the words on the screen to your left and to your right. And it's found in Matthew 19, and the words read, Jesus told him, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your, all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Amen? So as, you, as the Lord puts on your heart what you should give, don't be compelled to do what you think others want you to do. As God has given you time, he's given you talent, he's given you treasures. So give back to him a portion of what he's given you and rest assured that it will be used for the upkeep and the building of his kingdom. So can we look towards the Lord as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. We thank you for the rising of the sun, Lord, and we will praise your name until the going down of the same. Lord, we thank you for the ability to give back to you some of what you have given to us. We ask, Lord, that it is pressed down, shaken together, running over, Father. We all have so many blessings in our lives running over because your love is unfailing, It is faithful, it is steadfast, and it is pure. So we thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, for all that you have done and all that you will do. And we ask, Lord, that you just use this, guide our hearts and guide our minds to show us ways that we can be your hands and feet on this world. And, Lord, after offering, we turn toward the message We ask that you bless the servant that you have sent. We know that he has studied. We know that he has prepared. We know that he is willing and that he wants to. But only by the power of the Holy Spirit can you make him able. So, Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, as you are glorified and that we can be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: So, as you notice, Pastor Roger's not here and Pastor Bill's not here either, so we can do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Um, I'm in charge of the money. I oversee the money here, so we can just take two offerings, three offerings, and and go home if you want. That's fine by me. Um, But we're in... No, I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, We're in our series, uh, Raised to Live. We're looking in Colossians chapter 3. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Roger spoke about setting our minds on things above and not on things of the earth. Um, and it's easier said than done, but it's easy. But also, it's easy for us to get distracted by the both the good and the bad things uh, here on earth. We just kind of get, you know, bogged down by them, and then we lose sight on what God wants us to focus on. And last week, Pastor Bill preached on uh, what it means to die to sin. We're in Colossians three, uh, verse five. And uh, dying to sin is not just one-time occurrence. It is a you know, it's a, it's a process. It's a daily you know, breaking of um, the sin in our life. i um, talking about developing spiritual habits. One thing I've done fairly recently, um, it's not because I'm a very spiritual person, but when I get up in the morning, I go to empty the dishwasher and make the coffee because I'm sucking up to my wife. But I do that in the morning at 6 in the morning, and I just turn the Bible up on, and I get a couple chapters of God's Word first thing. And it's not because it's going to make me have this magical day, but it's something about honoring God with the beginning and the best and the first of what we have. So um, just an example of this kind of spiritual habit I've been trying to develop. Um, But before we get in our text in verse on Colossians 3, 6, we're going to focus on one verse and we're going to have lots of scripture for the one verse. Think about uh, when you're growing up, how you were disciplined, how you were... um, punished. Um, apparently, I was spanked every day for about a year or two, and I thought when my mom said that, I was like, no I was really spanked every day. She said, no, you really, really were. Um, and in Proverbs 13:24 says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent uh, to discipline him. And I, according to this verse, I was a very, very loved child over and over again. You know, some parents or some people have, you know, Jeremiah 29. And I know the plans I have for you on a cup or they have on the wall. You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was the text that was prominent in my house growing up. Um, you know, and you hear the expression like your, your siblings will tattle on you and say, I'm going to tell mom and dad. Or, you know, they say, wait till your father comes home. You know, my dad was a six foot four, 250 pound prison warden. So he was scary. Um, he was also soft at the end of the day. Not that I would ever take advantage of, of, of that at all, but but that was kind of my first experience of the wrath of God. And, or not the wrath of God, not the word God. But of wrath. And so we use human experiences to determine what wrath is to us and kind of define it. And the text for this morning is Colossians 3 6. This is the text for the day. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's the text for the day. You know, in, in, in verse 5 last week, if you were here, Pastor Bill, um, it, it listed different sins like um, covetedness, uh, impurity, and all these things that were happening. And then verse 6 it says, Because of these things, those sins, the wrath of God is coming. So we are going to kind of discuss um, what exactly is the wrath of God. And again, it's hard because we use kind of human examples or human experiences. And that only gives us a picture of what it is. But before we do that, we're gonna first kind of lay out what the wrath of God is not. The wrath of God is not God's emotionally driven payback because He was offended. God is not thin-skinned; He does not lose His temper. Um, it's also a misconception. People, I mean, some people say, you know, the the, the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath and anger, and the God of the New Testament is Jesus, like petting sheep and hugging children, and it's a the total opposite. And and that, I don't think that's the case at all. I think God shows his love and his wrath in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, I think both are elevated um, at the cross. That we'll get to later. Um, but the wrath of God, there's no set definition. But it's it's simply the righteous judgment of God towards those who rebel against him. Um, so today we're going to look at just five truths about the wrath of God. And there's, there's many, many more. And... Um, We can go into a lot more detail about the ones that we're going to discuss than we will, but uh, five truths about um, Colossians 3, 6 and what the wrath of God is. Uh, Truth number one, the wrath of God is not a primary attribute of God. Rather, it's a secondary attribute. Um, So what does that mean? Um, The primary attributes of God is God is just, God is good, God is love. Like That's how we define who God is. We don't say God is wrath by definition. 1 um, John 4, 7-8, through 8, familiar text, says, Beloved, let us want, love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So that's who God is. God is holy. God is just. God is love. And it is it is the wrath of God, is, is God's love that necessitates His wrath. And a way to look at this, again, human examples are limited, I understand, but you have a child, you love your child more than anything, like more than anything in the world. But because of that, your love for your child, anything or any person that is against your child will bring you it will bring out your anger and your wrath towards it to protect your child. In the same way, God is loving, God is just, God is holy, God loves His people, and anything in opposition to God, who God is necessitates his wrath. So it's not that God is wrath, but God's love. Brings forth his wrath because of who he is. Uh, truth number two: the wrath of God is fair and just. Uh, Romans chapter 3, 10 through twelve, and then nineteen through twenty. It's a familiar text. Um, remember, we have the presupposition that we're generally good people, right? Like, we're we're good people that sometimes do bad things, but we're 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 normally we're good. Uh, but Romans three, ten through twelve says, as this is written. None is righteous, no not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, they have become worthless. No one does good, no not one. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth will be stopped and the whole world will be will be held accountable to God. For by works of the law no human being will be justified in the sight. Through the law since through the law comes knowledge of sin. And that law that um, comes knowledge of sin is both the Old Testament law and um, what's referred to in the Bible as God wrote the law of our hearts. Like we know right and wrong. So this is kind of, it is kind of a tough subject to say, well, how is God's punishing us fair? Um, and we, a lot of times we think, well, I'm not really that bad of a person. A lot of times we don't think we're that bad because we compare ourselves to other people that are way worse than us. Um, but again, human examples are limited, but... I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Liar, Liar. I'm not condoning the movie or anything, but it's uh, with Jim Carrey. He's a lawyer, and he lies all the time, and he gets away with it, and he's a good lawyer, and he wins. And that's how the movie goes. And I, It's been a while since I've seen it, but something happens with his daughter is upset that he lies, and something mystical or something happens, I don't remember, but then he cannot help but tell the truth, if you remember the movie. And it gets him into trouble because he just always says the truth. So here's a little exercise. In case you think that you're a pretty decent person, imagine if every thought that pops in your head, you came out of your mouth and say, also, every thought. Like, you couldn't control it. Like, you wouldn't, like, leave your house. Because, like, it's, it's amazing how, how 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 sin is not just kind of something we do, but sin is a part of us. We sin all the time in our thoughts and our actions. And when we sin, we're not just sinning. We sin against man, but... Above that, we're sinning against a holy and perfect God who cannot tolerate uh, our sin. So the wrath of God is fair and just. His punishment towards sinners is justified because of his love and his, not just his love, but because of his holiness. Um, truth number three. The wrath of God is present today. And this is very evident, I think, if you, um, in our culture. Again, Romans chapter 1, 18 through 25. Said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made so that men are without excuse. Which means no, everyone, no one can stand before God and say, God, I had no, no idea. I had no idea you existed. God said creation reveals who he is. We have our conscience to reveal who he is. Men are without excuse. But this is what we do with, with the knowledge that God gives us. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and and creeping things. And that's what we do. We exchange the glory of God and we worship things. We worship money, we worship power, we worship another person. That is, I mean, that's what sin is. The sin is taking what's good and holy, like God, and we're worshiping, putting something else in its place. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. Though they know God's righteous decree, those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Pay attention to culture, what's going on in our schools, what's going on. Sometimes in the church, what's going on? It's just not only is sin like accepted or tolerated, but it's elevated and it's put up on a pedestal and it's worshipped in a way. It's I mean, evil is seen as good, and good is seen as evil. And if anything, that's a proof of God to me, where they take what should be good and they dismiss it, and what God says is, is wrong and evil and then they raise it up. And when I say the wrath of God is present now. Verse 24, I read, God gave them over to the lust of their hearts. And I don't know how this works, but there seems to be a point where God will, um, in dealing with his with humanity, will give people over to their sin. He will, I don't, maybe he just removes himself and says, you want your sin? You can have it. You're going to live in your sin. And an example of this is in, in the book of Exodus with Pharaoh, if you remember the story, where, um, God sent plagues through Moses to Pharaoh to free his people, and what did Pharaoh keep doing? He said Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then what did God? What action did God take? God told Moses, "I will harden Pharaoh's heart." God gave Pharaoh over to the depravity of his mind. And that's not to say that we can't come back from that. That's not to say there's no more free will or there's not forgiveness after that. I don't know how that works, but there's. But that is the that's an example of. The wrath of God now. So when we see evil celebrated, put up on a pedestal, the way to look at that from a biblical perspective is that's that's God's wrath coming now, in a way. Not only is the wrath of God um, here now, but it's coming in the future. So it's both. It's here now, and it's coming again um, in the fullness or completeness and and final judgment. Romans chapter 2, it says, "Or Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you towards repentance. So God's attributes, his goodness, his love, his kindness, lead you towards repentance. But because of your hard and penitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And I see that as, you know, mankind just kind of making wrath deposits in the bank. You know, they're just building their case against God. You know, over and over again, they're storing for themselves up um, for when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And in Second Thessalonians chapter one, it says, "This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God in which you are suffering." Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief to to you who are afflicted, as well as to us. Remember when we said Jesus is in the New Testament that we see him as petting sheep and hugging children and everything? Um, it says here, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven and his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory and his might. I, I think when we think about God's judgment, it's, it's, our, our human language makes it limited and understand. We're not going to really understand it until we have to face it. And Lord willing, we'll never have to face it. But, you know, he uses phrase like eternal destruction. I don't really know how that works. When I think something being destroyed, if a building's destroyed, it's over. It's done. So how can something be eternally destroyed? It's just kind of language to describe how horrible the judgment of, of God will be for those who uh, suppress his truth. And truth number five, we are saved from the wrath of God through Christ. So this is my favorite verse in all of the Bible, First Thessalonians 5, 9-10. It says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or we are asleep, we will live with him. You know, I think about when Jesus was, when Jesus was in the garden, and it was after the Last Supper, and he went to pray by himself and he was he was in anguish. Well alright, before we get there, it's kind of a weird church question because if you've been Christian for a while or church for a while, you kinda of know the, the answer might might seem obvious, but how does the death of Jesus on a cross save you from your sins? Like think about how do you how does that work? Like what about a Roman cross and the nails and, and the crown of thorns? How does that save you? And when Jesus was in anguish and praying to God, and he said, "God, take this cup from me, not my will, but Your will be done." What was he in anguish over? Now, maybe wrong here. I don't think Jesus was worried in the slightest about the actual crucifixion. I don't think he was concerned about what some Roman soldiers were going to do to him. I don't think he was concerned about you know a lot of times in you know churches we kind of like to glamorize the the physical suffering of it, you know where you know, his, his lungs probably filled with fluid and he died of suffocation and the, the, the nails in his wrist and the crown of thorns. We kind of glamorize the physical aspect. And this is not to dis- diminish the physical aspect at all, but I don't think that's what Jesus was concerned about in the slightest. Where he says, take this, where he says, Father, take this cup from me. And, you know, in the book of Isaiah and the book of Jeremiah and the book of Revelation, it says that the cup full of the wine of the wrath of God. And what Jesus was concerned about was not the physical thing of what the soldiers were going to do, but the wrath of God being poured out on him. And I think about it this way. I heard a, a preacher point out this way. He said, imagine if you're standing in front of a dam. You're a mile away from a dam. And it's a 1,000 miles high. It's 1,000 miles wide. It's filled to the very top with water. And suddenly the dam breaks, and it's rushing towards you, and it's going to engulf you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And right before it gets to you, the ground in front of you opens up, swallows the water, and you're there whole. And the point is, at at the cross, the full wrath of God and His hatred towards sin was put on His Son. And I don't know what that was like, but my my experience is like when remember when you do something wrong and you feel like shame, like you've hurt someone you've loved, and you, you like it's it's worse than like physical pain. You, like the shame is like the psychological and the emotional and the You know, it's just torture. You just want to, like... You'd rather someone just, like, punch you in the face and get it over with. But it's like feeling that is worse than anything else. So imagine all of that, the shame of sin of all people and the anger and the wrath of God placed on one person. And Jesus drank the full cup. And at the end, he says, it is finished. And when he says, it is finished, he wasn't just talking about his his death. He was talking about the wrath of God was satisfied for all people, for all time, for those who put his trust in him. And... I'm and reminded and when with this. Yeah, I talk really fast. I, I talk too fast. I apologize. But um, the, the thief on the cross um, with Jesus, and it's interesting. You know, people want to go to the Bible. I mean, when, when they go to heaven, they're like, I want to meet, I want to meet Abraham. I want to meet, I want to meet Moses. Everything. Thief on the cross is fascinating to me. There was two thieves. One, they were both cursing him, and then one m- made it into heaven, and it's like. So it's a little satire. Imagine when he gets to heaven and people are like, are you supposed to be here? Like, you were just there cursing Jesus like an hour ago. And the thief's like, I, I think so. I, I'm here. You know, and then they, they say, well, you must have been paid your tithes, right? You always paid your tithes to the temple. He's like, I've never, I, I was a thief. I stole my whole life. I never paid a tithe in my life. You know, and they say, well, you must have gone to the temple to pray, right? He's like, I've never, never been in a temple once in my life. They said, well, how did you get here? And he said, the guy next to me on the cross said I could come with him. You know, and, and that's it. That's the only answer. You know, none of us are righteous. You know, and there's no difference between, you know. So a lot of times we think we're better than one another. Some, you know, the thief on the cross to Mother Teresa. Like, we're, everyone is equally unrighteous. And everyone is either one of two camps. You're either, you know, saved by grace from the wrath of God or you are under the wrath of God that's it so as we go into this time of prayer and the team comes back to lead us leads us in worship a couple things to maybe consider is one just to give thanks to God for salvation and we said save what you were saved from to save from the, the wrath of almighty God another thing and this would kind of bother me this week is when there's just the two types of people i mean we have people in our lives that don't know christ and they are if they were to leave this earth they under the they're under they're condemned before god they're under god's wrath um and not just to pray for them i mean that's with all due respect it's easy just to pray for people that don't know right we say a prayer we say i hope so and so knows you lord and that's it but to maybe ask god to give us an opportunity to share faith with him because going back where it's you know, in this series, looking at things above, not on things of the earth, and dying to self, part of that is to say, not only us getting right with God, but getting our minds right with God, and then our actions, and how do we view people? Do we just go about our day as normal, or do we view people as someone that is lost, that doesn't know Christ, that needs to, that needs to know Christ, and what we can do about it? So if, uh, if you're able to stand... Um, The altar is always open. People, we have the prayer station, but please stand as we uh, continue in worship.
2: How there is no greater love than the love of Jesus and to walk by his side throughout the duration of your life. blessing to you this morning that anything that was said or sung that you would leave different than how you came. We love you. God loves you. Go in peace. You are dismissed. Thank you so much.